Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Now we'll continue our verse by verse through uh, the book of Luke on our Wednesday night studies. Um, In chapter 9, just to give you a little, uh, just kind of look back a little bit, God sends out the 12 disciples and, you know, they lacked knowledge, they lacked faith, they lacked unity, they lacked love, they lacked they lacked a lot of stuff, and yet those are the ones that God chose to advance his kingdom. So as I was, I knew I was going to go through chapter 10, and I wanted to start back at chapter 9 just for my own sake, and man, what a, I was just thrilled. If, if God can use those guys, then that brought a little comfort to my heart. I was like, all right, Lord, I'm, you know, I'm a knucklehead, and I'm just, you know, I'm not always there, and, and yet God can still use even, even myself and you, you know, it's, it's pretty neat. But, um, so in Luke chapter 10, though, uh, so in chapter 9, he's sending out the 12. Here in chapter 10, Jesus is sending out the 70 disciples, and, and the, these 70 disciples, they're different from the 12 disciples, whereas, you know, the 12 disciples, they were called, they were elected as uh, apostles, specifically to the office of an apostle. Uh, But these 70 disciples are, well, they're basically disciples in general, right? Just like you and I are disciples, we're we're students, we're learners of the word of God. And uh, so that's basically what they're doing as well. They're they're, uh, followers of the word. Um, so these 70 disciples, they were appointed. Let's go ahead and start in verse 1 of Luke chapter 10. It says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others also. So these 70 disciples, they can represent, I, I believe, the church as well, right? So he says also because he's talking about chapter 9. The 12 were sent out, now also the 70 are sent out. And uh What's interesting is they were appointed, though. Uh, You know, this word appointed, it's only used twice in the New Testament, by the way. In Acts chapter 1, verse 24, uh, if you guys remember, the disciples were choosing another disciple. And and they said, they they prayed and they said, Oh Lord, you know the hearts of all. Show which of these two you have chosen. And that word show is the exact same word as this word here in Luke 10 as the word appointed. Uh, So it it, it not only means to be called or elected really to a particular office, uh, but it can carry the idea of being lifted on a higher uh, really on high for all to see as an example, basically. And, and these guys, they were raised to a position where all can see them clearly, right? They can see their lifestyle. They can see their, their hearts, if you will. And, and really recognizing that, you know, these guys were someone different. They, they, they were set apart, if you will. And, and they weren't like the rest of the crowd, right? And you guys, uh, when you... If you just got saved and, and the Lord's doing a work in your life, you know when you, before you were saved, when you went to work, all the guys would talk the talk and do whatever it was. But now that you're saved, they know that you're different, right? If you get a ride with them, they, they quickly change it maybe to the Christian channel, right? Or, you know, they'll respect you and, and they just, they feel the conviction and you don't even have to say anything. It's like, whoa. So that's the same thing. That's the idea here is these 70 disciples, they're appointed uh, and, and that's the wording right there. So you and me, we're students. We're followers of the word of God, right? We were chosen by Jesus. We were handpicked. 
picked, if you will, and we were elected. God called us. In fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 6, he says, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. In Colossians 3.12, it says, therefore, as the elect of God. So we are the elect of God. Uh, Ephesians 1.4 says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. So before God even planned the earth and the planets and you know before he even spoke it into existence he already knew he already planned he already chose and picked you today right some what four thousand years how six thousand years later um six thousand years about it he said he planned you that you would be saved he knew that you were going to come to him and clearly you've been called clearly you've been chosen and and we've been put in a place where others can see us and other people man they're watching right how we're going to respond to things you know you drop the hammer on your toe and they're like oh. right they're listening <laughs> they're waiting uh just the other day, I was taking out my garbage um, at nighttime, right? And, and, uh, and I'm taking the garbage can out to the street. And uh, this guy's I've never seen this guy in my life. And, and he's walking by. He's all, how's it going, Pastor? And I was all, hey, hi. Hi, who's, what? How did he, how did that? What? <laughs> right? I don't know. So one of my neighbors, like, apparently, they, they knew that I was a pastor. And, um, but I've never seen the guy and. uh I don't know, was that you? Was that, no, it wasn't, okay, all right. But, uh, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting. They're watching, right? The world's watching us because they want to know, is this real? You know, is this, is this, is this, you know, fake? Is this something that we just make up? Because there's those other so-called believers and, and uh, you know, maybe they tried going to their church and they're just jumping around like monkeys and falling over and screaming and, right? They, it, that's what they look to you as as well right they think you're crazy because they maybe they tried this type of you know thing over here and and uh, so we ought to be um we ought to be just uh, wise too when we're speaking to other people but let's notice these 70 disciples they were also sent notice in verse one after these things the lord appointed 70 others also and sent them out two by two before his face in every city and place where he himself was about to go. So that word sent, by the way, it's, it's, it's a sent out one on a mission, right? A messenger, an ambassador, if you will, right? You're speaking on behalf of your master, right? You're a mouthpiece and you're sending the message, not of your own message, but you're sending the message of your king, if you will. And Jesus had appointed uh, them. He raised them up. He sent them out and as messengers for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the idea, right? And just like he sends you and I out, we have the great commission, right? He sent us on a mission as well. And you and I have been called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, uh, Jesus says right here in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Um, 
And I, I just thank the Lord for that, right? That we have a calling, we have a mission, we have a goal, and that's to proclaim the gospel. And when they do come to the Lord, you're called to disciple them, right? Raise them up in the word of God. Give them the word and, and baptize them, right? In the name of the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, and, uh, and then just continue to teach them the, the word of God. But here's the thing. Are we willing to submit to Jesus? Are we willing to submit to really his standard, which is perfection, by the way? And if you're you got to be willing to give up your life to follow Jesus. If you're going to be a follower of him, it means you got to be willing to die, right? And everyone can run a race, but not everybody's going to finish the race. There's going to be a lot of people, there's going to be a whole line of followers, if you will, and, and they're going to be going towards the distractions of the world, right? The lust of the world. They're, gonna, they're, they're on the straight path, but they don't finish well. They, they get off, right? And we are called to restore them to, to the faith, right? In Jude, it says even pulling them out of the fire, right? We ought to do everything we can in our reach, in our, in our possibility, however we can, to bring them closer to the Lord in, in all cases. But wherever he sends you, we ought, ought to grow, right? We ought to, we ought to just Teach the word. Give them the word, right? And I think that's an area where a lot of people failed. That's an area that those who taught me when I was young failed to teach me uh, until I read the word. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> it's not just go and give the gospel. Hey, here's the gospel. And people are crying. They're all emotional. And then just, you know, after you pray with them, tap them on the back and say, all right, well, have a good day. See you later. Right? I, I just left them all hanging and who knows where they ended up, Right? Um, but now as I read the word, I realize, no, I, I need to disciple them. It's not just give the gospel. That's the American uh, lie, if you will, right? That we've been trained to hear, here's the gospel, goodbye. No, give them the gospel, raise them up now. Train them up. Don't, be, don't go out there and give the gospel unless you're ready to teach them the word of God. And that's not hard at all. Just read, right? That's what we're doing right now. We're just reading the, the word. Um, that's how I did it when I was in middle school. I didn't know. <laughs> I just said, oh, you want to learn? Okay, let's just keep reading. And then if I knew something, I would explain it. But otherwise, I just kept reading. And so that's a good way to do as well. Um, so, uh, but notice in verse 1, by the way, how they were sent out. It says, sent them two by two before his face in every city and place where he himself was about to go. So he knew exactly where he was going to go, each city he was going to go, because he's God, duh, right? So he told each one of them, now you guys go to this city, now you go over here to this city, and you go to this one. But he sent them out two by two. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 7, uh, it says that he called the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two, and he gave them power over unclean spirits. Uh, this is speaking of the um, uh, the other account, but I think they were they were sent out not only to support one another and encourage one another, uh, which you know I think that's a wise thing for us to do as well, not to just go out there as lone rangers thinking that we're you know somehow going to do a great thing all by ourselves, and and the, although you might. We all need somebody in ministry, right? We all need somebody by our side for that encouragement because after all, we're, we're, we're lambs being sent out to the wolves, basically, right? 
So we could get devoured if we're by ourselves. And, and, uh, but just understand, guys, we need one another. We need, this is ministry, right? We're, we're a team, and we're to build one another up. And also, I think it's wise to go two by two because of accountability, right? Even though you may not do anything, someone snaps a picture, the wrong angle, the wrong person's right next to you, you're ruined, right? But how are you going to justify that? They got a picture of you. Well, that, you know, I was just walking in my room at the hotel and that, I didn't know that person, right? They could, you, no one's going to believe you. So it's wise to have going two by two in, in, uh, when you present the gospel in ministry. But um, they were sent out, and notice the end of verse one, by the way, to prepare the way of the Lord, right? Because Jesus would be coming soon. And, and same thing is true with us today. Jesus is coming back very, very soon. Amen, church? You guys ready? I'm ready. I just, all it takes is like a hiccup in my body. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm done with this body. Let's get, get me out of here. But man, I'm ready to go. But uh, we need to be busy and about our father's business because he's coming back soon, right? And think about it. When he says, well done, good and faithful servant, is that the case? Does that explain you, right? Does it? Were you, or did you allow the Holy Spirit to use you? And did you abide in him and him in you? Were, did, were you good? Were you a servant? Or were you always got to be number one, right? Or did you choose not to be number one? Uh, did you choose to come alongside uh, those in ministry, right? And so, these things to consider. But look at verse 2. Verse 2 through 16, Jesus gives these disciples uh, some instructions here. And the first thing that I see here, it involves praying. Notice in verse 1 again, in verse 2, it says, Then he said to them, the, or in verse 2, the, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, Send out letters of support, right? <laughs> Is that what he said? Wait a minute. Therefore, launch a cam- campaign in your church to send out missionaries, right? Raise support. Does, did he say any of that? What's the very first instruction that he gives to the 70 disciples before sending them on their way? Let's read on. Pray, 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 pray. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So the very first thing that they were called to do is pray. Pray to the Lord uh, that, he's, that he would send out people to, to give the gospel, basically, right? And, and that, man, pray that God does a work. And by the way, that God does a work, speaking of a work, not of the flesh, but of the spirit, right? That this work is actually of the Lord and not a man's flesh. And because that's, then they're going to boast about what they did, right? But I think, any, I think we need to pray more. I think we don't pray enough. And when we think we prayed enough, I think we need to pray even more, right? Because we can't get enough. We, we need the Lord. We need to rely on him. And, and by praying, it shows that we rely on the Lord, that we can't, right? That's humility, by the way. Um, the second instruction is to watch. Look at verse 3. Jesus says, Go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. So we need to be aware of our surroundings because, man, we're, we're the lambs being sent out among the wolves. And, and that's why I love Pastor Dwight's teachings because he's not afraid, he's not ashamed to present to you these 
wolves that are in sheep's clothing, right? He'll, he'll, it's never fun to do, by the way. It's not something you're just like, oh, I'm going to just talk about this guy, and I'm going to drop down some names today, right? It's prayfully. You pray about it before you even send it out, because there's always going to be a whole bunch of people in the church, that, right? They, they listen to these guys. They love these guys. In fact, they support these guys on a monthly basis, right? And, and they love these guys. But we ought to, if, if we love you, we're going to warn you right? And it's, it's never easy. It's, it's, it's hard to do that, but we ought to do that. That's what a, a good shepherd does, right? Watches over the sheep. So um, I'm thankful for this church. But Jesus said the same thing, by the way, to the 12 disciples. Um, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, he says, behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And then he adds something different here. He says, therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Now, we need to be wise and harmless, right? Not treating the world like the world treats us, right? Well, you did that. You punched me. I'm going to punch you back, right? Uh, No, don't repay evil for evil, right? Be different. We ought to be like lambs. Don't be like wolves, right? We ought to be set apart from the world, and we ought to be loving our enemies. We ought to be uh, blessing those that curse us, right? Consider that when next time you're driving and somebody cuts you off. <laughs> no, seriously, it's just, you know, who are we? Uh, and, and our mission is simple. It's really just to tell people about Jesus. I mean, how hard is that, really? When you think about it, you know, our hearts are shaking, our legs are shaking, right? We're all terrified, and we're like, hi, um, um, Jesus loves you. Whoa, I did it. Whoa. <laughs> we get all crazy, but just to tell people the good news, it's good news, right? Uh, how hard is it to tell good news? Um, about to tell bad news, now I could understand that, right? You don't want to go and break someone's heart. Um, it's the hardest thing to say bad news to a family, right? But if you say good news, I mean, what's there to, there's nothing to hurt about that. But when we're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, we're not called to save people. We can't save people. Did you know that? We're, only Jesus can save them. We're called just to give them, right? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. I mean, preach. The word preach. Look it up on your own. It actually means verbalized, right? You actually got to tell them with your mouth, right? I know it's going to be really hard for the Facebook people and the text message people, but, uh, but preach the gospel. Actually use your words. And, um, but what they do with that, it's up to them. They're, they are accountable now before the Lord. You did your part, get out of there, right? They don't want to receive the Lord, then hey, fine. Um, so let's go to the third instruction here. Jesus gives them, uh, and it involves trusting. Notice in verse 4, Uh, It says, carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals, and greet no one along the road. So if you're sent out by the Lord, you need to put your trust in the Lord, right? And in order to trust in the Lord, what what did we just learn? What's the first thing we ought to be doing? Before we even trust the Lord, we ought to be praying, right? But first of all, we got to know that we're being called out, right? Are you, uh, these guys were appointed. Then they were sent out, uh, but they, they were commanded to pray. That was the very first thing. And, and if you're not praying, you're going to have a struggle in this area of trust. Um, but remember, uh, Chuck Smith used to say all the time, right? Where, where God guides, God provides, right? And I love that about 
Chuck and how he said it, because it's so true, right? It's very biblical. But don't greet anybody alongside the road. Did you guys catch that at the end of the verse there? Why? I mean, that's not very Christ-like of you. I mean, how come you didn't say hi, right? No, back in the day, they would, in their culture, they would be, they're very open people, right? So it's not like, hey, how are you doing today? Oh, good, I'll see you later, right? That's what we do at the store. Hey, how's it going? See ya, right? But them, they didn't have cars, right? They're, they are on the, the road uh, with horses or they're walking or whatever. They would start talking. How are you? Oh, where are you coming from? What's going on? Oh, how many, you have, how many grandchildren? Wow, no way. Tell me about them. Oh, let me tell you about it, right? You know what? It's getting a little, let's just have some lunch right here. I got some food. Let me share. No, I got food. Let me share with you. And they begin to, you know, have a feast right there on the road and it takes forever, right? So the idea is Jesus is saying, no, 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 go, you're on a mission, right? So go straight on your mission, right? Don't, don't stop, right? Don't collect $200. <laughs> you just go all the way and, and, uh, and don't even worry about because they'll, they're going to another city and that city could be miles and miles away. So by the time the mission's over, they probably didn't even get to the destination they were supposed to get to if they decided to stop at every person they see. Oh, hi. Yeah, I'm on a, you know, mission right now for Jesus. I mean, yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, let me tell you about it, right? And all these things that I'm going to do. So you guys could get the idea. There's lots of distractions on that road. And, and God is saying, stick to the mission, right? Stick to uh, where you ought to be. The fourth instruction Jesus gives involves receiving. Notice verse 5. He says, but whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it. And if not, it will return to you. So in other words, tell the people, you know, true peace is found in Jesus, right? Give them the gospel and, and tell them about Jesus and tell them that Jesus is returning very, very soon. And if they're not, they're open to it, then hey, they, they just receive the peace. But if they're not open to it, then the gospel message will return back to you, is what it's saying. Verse 7, it says, And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house, for whatever city you enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. Now, what he's saying here is they need to be content, right? With wherever they go, whatever food that they eat, and I've been to certain houses, I'm sure you have as well, where you're like, uh, what are you doing? Are you going to eat? No, I just got to pray before I eat, right? <laughs> Lord, make it nutritious, make it really good, somehow do something magical here and change it, right? Make it a chicken instead of this thing looking at me, you know? <laughs> it's like, ah. But, uh, man, I've been there before, but, right? But they are to receive it. They are to be content because, hey, they're sharing their home with you. They're sharing what they have with you. Don't be like, oh, you live here? Uh, hey, your neighbor's house looks a lot better. They got an extra bed. I don't you're you don't even have a bed in your house, right? It's a, I'd rather go to their house. So God's saying, no, 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 the place you go, the people that open up to you and they allow you in, they're going to feed you. They're going to pr provide for you because they're not even taking an extra set of clothes with them, 
right? They're going by faith, right? It's straight up trust in the Lord and see what the Lord might do with you. And these guys, every single one of them, actually performed what God wanted them to do. And, and I, I love that about these guys. Um, now, notice in verse well, the fifth thing, look at verse 9. The fifth thing here, the instruction that Jesus gave involved preaching. Notice it says in verse 9, And heal the sick there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, The very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near you. So twice, did you guys catch that here in verses 9 through 11? He mentions the kingdom of God has come near to you. In other words, don't worry about a thing. They were just to tell people about the kingdom is near. We're, we're all capable of preaching the gospel, right? Just go and, and warn them, right? I'm coming, but this is a good warning. I'm, I'm coming back. The, the sixth instruction involves judging. Notice in verse 12, but I say to you that it will be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. This city, wow, that hears about Jesus they got a stricter judgment than Sodom and Gomorrah got, right? They, they're going to receive a greater judgment. Yikes, that's, that's intense right there, right? And, and again, it's mentioned in verse 14, if you want to look at that on your own. But there's three cities that are mentioned uh, that judgment was upon. Now, notice in verse 13 through 16, it says, Woe to you, uh, Chorazin, man, I practiced that. It didn't come out. Chorazin, Chorazin. Oh, we'll call it Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida, for it, if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, then or they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it would be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades, to hell. He who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Now, this is interesting because you guys remember Capernaum is the, pa the place that Jesus basically set up his um, headquarters at, right? Most of the, the missions work, most of the ministry was done out of Capernaum. And if they reject you, and they will, they, it's really because they reject him, right? So if we go out there, we give the gospel, and people are like, Boo! Right? They're not doing it just to us. They're, they, they sense the Holy Spirit on you. And they're at war with the Holy Spirit. And they make it known in the flesh. And so have compassion on them because you are in the same place, believe it or not. Right? And so in other words, pray for them because the battle is spiritual. Right? The battle is not physical. We're, we're not going to be like wolves to them. Right? We're not going to be like, why you said that to me? Right? Hitting them is not going to do a thing to me. Oh, I just I want to be a Christian now. Wow, thank you. Right? It's not going to happen. Um, now, notice the 70 disciples. They're returning back to Jesus in verses 17 to 20. 
Uh, And let's look at the joy that these 70 disciples have when they return. Notice in verse 17, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Now, the word joy, uh, it's used 59 times in the New Testament, and it means cheerfulness. It means rejoicing, right? So the disciples, they are rejoicing, and they're they're just full of uh, excitement for really one thing. And the reason they were rejoicing specifically is right here at the end of verse 17, and it's because the demons were subject to them and and they were surprised that they had power to do that because if you guys remember at the end of verse 9 they were commanded to go and heal the sick Jesus never said anything about you know casting out demons or having power over the demons and yet they they realized well we even have power to cast out the demons right we're in complete control that we can tell them whatever we want and and I would be I would be amazed as well but their rejoicing was on the stuff rather than on Jesus. Did you guys catch that? It wasn't, you know, I'm going to rejoice in you, Jesus, because of what you've done. It's, I'm going to rejoice in the fact that these demons actually obey even us, right? So, um, man, that's scary. I think we need to be watchful in our own hearts um, about that. But let, let's look at the rebuke they get from Jesus. Notice in verse 18 to 20, uh, there's actually three rebukes right here. Now, the first rebuke involves the pride of Satan. Notice in verse 18, And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So Jesus mentions this in the context of really, they're talking spiritually here, right? They're talking, hey, even the demons are subject to us. And they're excited about the demonic realm. You guys remember in Ezekiel, yeah, it was Ezekiel um, 28, verses 12 to 15, talking about Lucifer, talking about Satan, right? This guy, I mean, he's described as beautiful. There's all the, the gems, you know, that's, that's talked about that he had. He was, he was some musical guy, right? He was perfect in beauty, the Bible says. And in Isaiah 14, he was, he was wonderful and perfect until iniquity was found in him, until uh, really, there, there was something in him that was found. In Isaiah 14, there's the ayayayas, right, of Satan. It's like, oh, man, right? I will be like God most high. I, well, yeah, 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 yeah. I call it the ayayayas. But, but there in the ayayayas, right, is, is where we see that the guy was prideful, right? This angel, this cherubim, if you will, he was so prideful that he wanted to be like God. And, and of course, in Revelation 12, verse 4, he got kicked out of heaven, right? right him and a third of all the angels fell from heaven and it wasn't a slow motion thing because uh, Jesus says right here he saw he literally saw this event he was there and it was kicked out of heaven and so fast like lightning right and immediately he was cast to the earth and so very very interesting if you want to look more into that but the, the this pride that the disciples had when they came to Jesus and they're like, even the demons listen to us, right? They didn't realize it, but Jesus said, hey, that reminds me of an event that I, the, the same face that I saw, of the same prideful guy, and let me tell you about him, right? And so he begins to remind them about Satan and in church, understand when God uses you, right, we need to protect ourselves from being prideful, 
Uh, if God uses the gift that he's given you and he exercises that gift through you, it's not our power. It wasn't us, right? It's not about us, right? And, and uh, just keep that in mind. I want to, sometimes I'm desperate to just drill certain people about that, but not you guys. So I'll, I'll go on. But there are certain people that are just all about themselves and God use me. So call 1-800-MY-NAME, right? Because it's all about me and send your money and, you know. Uh, ay, ay, ay. So anyways, um, let's look at the, the rebuke they get from Jesus in verse um, 18. Well, verse 18, we saw, you know, Satan fell from heaven. The second rebuke involves the power of the 70. Notice in verse 19, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So this power God gave them was so powerful, it was more powerful than the enemy, right? The enemy couldn't even touch this power. They had more power than the enemy, but this power came from God, right? It didn't come from ourselves. It didn't come as if we can generate some type of power, right? And we're, hey, look what I got. I'm a superhero, right? No, you're nothing. And, 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 but you're everything in Christ Jesus. See, when you're in him, he's in you. He's abiding in you. In other words, the Holy Spirit is living in you and thus the power, right? The power source, if you will, um, uh, kind of like Iron Man, right? Iron Man's got that little power source thing. I don't know where my brain went there, but it did. But, right, without that thing, I don't know what it's called, but it's like, oh, right? <laughs> you got that thing in your heart, and now he's activated, and he's, you know, he's able to do stuff. Um, but, church, we, we can't take the credit if God chooses to use our, uh, whatever he's given us. We can't take it at all. And, and there's people that are profiting off of you know, the things that God does through them off of healing ministries, right? They make a franchise at it. We'll sell you this franchise. You'll make more a profit than you will with this, you know, uh, Chick-fil-A over here. You'll make way more money, right? And people are like, what? Really? Okay, I'll buy that. And they do. It's just, it's sick. It's a crazy world out there when you find out that stuff. But um, we, we can't do anything as if it was in us. It's in Christ Jesus. And we need to be careful not to let pride creep up into our hearts. Now, the third rebuke Jesus gives, it's in the form of a stated principle here that Jesus gives. Notice in verse 20, he says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in, the, in heaven. <laughs> Amen, church? Amen. Wow. This is where our rejoicing ought to be. Guys, God loved us so much that he would allow us into heaven for eternity. I mean, if God could even let me in for a minute, I mean, I'm grateful for that. Lord, thank you. I mean, I didn't even deserve that, right? But eternity? I mean, I'm... I'm going to fall on my face, right? Just like John, when he was seeing, you know, the vision of Jesus in Revelation, he's seeing all this stuff, and I mean, and they're like, I think he's dead. <laughs> John, you there, buddy? I think oh, that's going to be me when I get to heaven. It's like, donk, right? I, I don't belong here. I don't deserve this, right? But that's what love is. Love is forgiveness, and that's the hardest thing for mankind to actually do is forgiveness and to love, right? Unless... And this love can't be produced in us. We need the love of God first in us in order to 
perform what is good for him, but also to perform that love to others, to show them that agape love. Um, it's very, very interesting. So rejoice, man, that we are having eternal life and we're going to be with Jesus. Our names are written in heaven. How cool is that? This life is just passing away, right? It's like the grass of the field. It's there, it's gone, right? It's this, we're here, we're gone. We're like a vapor, right? It's gone. And, and life is very, very short. So count the cost, right? Count the cost uh, in ministry. Count the cost in marriage. Count the cost to your family, at your work. I mean, stand for righteousness. What are the things that are going to matter when we're out of here? Guys, we're, we're out of here. It's no more. There's no second chance. So right now is our opportunity to rise up, right? Not in our own strength, but in, in, in the Lord, right? In the Holy in His Spirit, and allow him to do what he wants to do. If there's something that the Lord's prompting you to do, by all means, what are you doing? <laughs> Go do it, right? That's the idea. So um, rejoice, man. God's going to work everything out for his own good. But let's look at the rejoicing now of, of Jesus, right? He just got done saying that they are going to have eternal life in heaven. I mean, he just told these 70 disciples before they died that they're going to be in heaven. Right, So the only guy I can think of in the Bible is the guy on the cross. Hey, today you're going to be with me in paradise. But he also told these 70 disciples, you guys are basically going to heaven. Did you guys catch that? That's pretty cool. Um, But let's look at verse 21. It says, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit. Now, what is Jesus rejoicing about? Well, the last verse he just revealed to the, the 70 disciples, right? They're, they're going to go to heaven. Look at verse 21 to 23. Jesus gives us three more reasons uh, that he rejoiced. First, he rejoiced because this truth was revealed to the humble. Notice in verse 21, it says, In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things, what things? These things, the things that, that, that they, they get to go to heaven, right? Uh, the, from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babies. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. So those are, you know, the, the prideful and arrogant, right? Or, or the, those that are thinking they're going to get to heaven based on their own performance, based on their religion, or based on, you know, good works, or whatever it is that they can do to achieve some type of perfect status, right? Um, But we know that's not the case, right? Um, You know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian, just as much as going to a donut shop doesn't make you a not a cop, a donut, right? Good job. Hey, easy. All right, but uh, getting to heaven, it's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ, right? On what he did on the cross for us, the death and burial and resurrection of what he did. It was the work, not the works that get us to heaven. It's his work that got us to heaven. So we, we keep that in mind. Um, and only through, and here's the catch, right? It's so easy to talk about heaven and salvation, but the catch is only those who have humility can actually enter the kingdom of God. Did you guys know that? Because, and here's the thing, it's by, well, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, right? We know it's by grace that we are saved, but did you guys know you can't even receive this grace? I think it's James 4, 6, I forget the verse now, but uh, God rejects the pride, but he gives grace to the humble, right? So 
it, you can't even get to heaven unless you have humility. You've got to humble yourself, then receive the grace that God has for you, and then, and then thus salvation, right? Because you believe on him and who he is. So the second aspect of this revealing of truth uh, involves revealing truth to whom he wills. Notice in verse 22, it says, All things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except uh, is is uh, let's slow down here. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal Him. So God's will for all mankind, guys. We know this, right? What is God's will that all would be saved, right? That none would perish. Who did He die for? Just the elect. John three sixteen. What does it say? For God so loved the the world, the whole world, God's will is that the whole world would humble themselves and come to salvation, right? That they would know him. Uh, but we know this, that not all are going to believe. Not all are going to follow him. And Jesus chose us uh, as the church, right? He, we just got done talking about Romans 1 and 6, that he chose us before the foundation of the world. When did he choose you? The moment you were born? no. The moment uh, you got your degree from college? No. Did he choose you the moment your bank account went up? No. <laughs> Did he? When? Before the foundation of the world, God chose you. Did God know that he was going to be in your life? You were going to choose to choose him? Yes. He knew, he foresaw what was going to happen. So has he elected us? Has he chosen us? Yes. Now, can we choose to choose him? Yes, right? There's people that are going to choose to not choose him, and thus they're not going to make it. So very, very scary uh, place to be. But God knows the end. Now, the third revealing of truth is to the disciples. Notice in verse 23, the verse 24, it says, Then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and to hear what you hear and not heard it. Now, what, was, what is he talking about, right? That, well, they saw the Messiah, right? They heard the Messiah. They were able to be used by the Messiah to perform the, the gift of healing, right? They were able to um, see miracles before them, cast out demons right at their feet. This is the disciples we're talking about. And people before them, right, those of the Old Testament, if you will, they desired, they, they knew about the Messiah, they heard about what he might do, but they didn't hear from him. They didn't see him. And I think, man, wouldn't you be more blessed if you lived in that time to, to see Jesus and to hear him? Uh, well, I found a verse for you. If you're like me, right, I'm like, yeah, I would love to be there. But check this verse out. It says in John 20, verse 29, at the end right here, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Whoa, you and I, because we have not seen the Messiah, we haven't seen Jesus, we haven't heard his voice audibly from the time he was around, we're actually more blessed because we believe in him, because we have faith more than him, because uh, that's just, that's awesome. So understand, it's not a matter of seeing Jesus, it's a matter of really, uh, well, believing in him by faith, right? So consider that. Well, let, let's see this certain lawyer. Let's go to verse 25. 
Um, it says, and by the way, uh, Pastor Dwight already spoke on this passage right here on Sunday. So if you haven't heard the message, I encourage you guys to go online and listen to it. Um, or as Dwight likes to say, get the tape. I don't know what tape they'll give you, but um, you can get a CD or a DVD. But, um, but yeah, so let's, let's uh, look, look at verse 25. It's, it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. So we don't know who this lawyer was, uh, but we do know that lawyers back then were referred to as um, the scribes, right? The scribes were the guys that transcribed the law, they interpreted the law. They were the religious guys, right, of the day. And, and let's, see the, let's see the question from this lawyer that he gives Jesus in 25. He says, And behold, a certain lawyer, he stood up and he tested him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? Now, up front, this question that the lawyer just gave Jesus, I mean, it seems pretty reasonable type of question, doesn't it? It's like, hey, how do I get to heaven? That's a great question. But remember in verse 21, Jesus just prayed saying God has hidden these things from the wise and the prudence. And the scribes of the day back in the day, they, they were the wise and prudent, more so over everybody else, right? They were numero uno, right? And they thought they were above the rest of the people. And in fact, in verse 25, we learn he asked this question to test him. He didn't ask the question from within, from his heart of desperation of, Lord, you know, how can I get to heaven? How can I know you more? So his motive was wrong to ask this question. Uh, in other words, he's trying to be above Jesus, basically. Uh, but notice the question back to the lawyer in verse 26. He said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it, right? So this is the typical answer of the Jewish rabbis, right? Uh, back in the day and today, by the way, they still do the same thing where they answer a question with another question. You're like, would you just answer me? And they're like, well, is that true? And it's like, what? <laughs> right? But in other words, hey, you're the lawyer, what is your interpretation of it, right? And so now let's see this answer from the lawyer. Look at verse 27. So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Now, this lawyer, man, he got it right on, right? Good job, buddy. You, you know the word. You got it, right? You answered correctly. He quoted from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, Leviticus chapter 18 and 19. So getting to heaven is by loving God and loving others, right? It's not the opposite. It's not you don't love others, then love God. It just doesn't work that way, right? You got to love God and he'll give you the love to love others. Um, but this guy, man, he had all the right answers if you will the problem was uh he wasn't he wasn't doing it right he knew what to do but he didn't do it in other words he had knowledge but he didn't have wisdom right he didn't apply what he knew he ought to be doing now jesus gives a command to this lawyer in verse 28 he says to him you have answered rightly do this and you will live in other words, now put it into practice in your own life, right? And a lot of people, man, they know the truth, but they don't walk in it, right? They don't apply it personally. Um, and the problem of the lawyer, notice in verse 29, 
But he, wanting to justify himself, oh boy, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Oh, why did he have to say that, right? He just made it worse. He's digging a hole. But obviously the problem here, it's, it's his pride. How do I know that? Because he's trying to justify himself in front of all the people, right? He's trying to humiliate Jesus, by the way, because he thinks he's got something on him. And, and he couldn't get him, so he's going to try to another angle, right? He's going to try to justify, make himself, his reputation look good. And he already got an answer, and he should have just, you know, if I were him, I would have got on my knees and asked, you know, Lord, how can I love my neighbor, right? I would have been in tears. Lord, teach me, show me how to love my neighbor. I want to know. I want to get to heaven, right? I want to, I would be in desperation, but instead he wants to justify himself. And uh, let's see the, the parable for this lawyer here. Look at verse 30 through 37. This whole section, by the way, is, is uh, it's about being a, a neighbor, right? And in the end of verse 27, it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, in verse 29. And who is my neighbor? So uh, in verse 36, Jesus is going to conclude this parable by saying, so which of these three do you think was neighbor to him. So the context is about uh, who is this lawyer, right? That's the question that the lawyer gave, or who is this, who's the neighbor? So let's look at verse 30. It says, Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and you're always going to go down, right? And fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, and pouring on, on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the next day, so he stayed with him, right? When he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. So the priest, the Levite, right, they both stare at this man, and, and they walk by. It's a long stare, by the way. You guys can look up the wording there. They, lo- they, they look for the long time. The priest ministered you know, to the spiritual needs. The Levites, they ministered to the physical needs. Uh, and both of them were religious leaders ministering to the people, and they didn't minister at all. That was their job, and they passed him by. And the Samaritan is the one who helped instead, and the Samaritan is the one who had compassion on this man, uh, and it, which is interesting to me because Jesus is our example of what compassion is. If you guys remember, he was often moved by compassion. Jesus with the untouchable leper, right, who was uh, the outcast, Jesus was moved with compassion. And when the woman who had only a penny to offer, he was moved with compassion. And when the person who was injured and disabled came, he was moved with compassion. And when the multitudes were hungry, well, he was moved with compassion. And so too, 
Should we as well? We ought to be compassionate towards those around us, right? Because Jesus set that example for us. And if we're moved by compassion, we're going to take action as well. And action, by the way, is always going to, it's going to cost you something, right? In other words, it's going to be a sacrifice on your part. But that's what God's looking for. He wants to see that sacrifice. Oh, Lord, I really don't, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it for you, right? It, it's going to cost you, whether it's your heart or whether it's some material thing or money, whatever it is. Um, and, and, but what's cool is the Samaritan was committed, right? Stayed with the guy overnight and then was committed to come back and pay the extra money as well. And so Jesus answered the lawyer's question by teaching him. It's, it's not who is my neighbor, but rather... Uh, you know, you who can you be a neighbor to, basically, right? So he switched up the whole thing on him, where it's it's about look at look at your heart here, right? And the Samaritan was the good neighbor, being that example. It wasn't the guy on the floor; it was the Samaritan who was the good neighbor. So let's see this certain woman, and we'll just read. Look at verse thirty-eight. Uh, it says, "Now it happened as they." went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus's feet and heard his word but Martha was distracted with much serving and she approached him and said Lord do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone and therefore tell her to help me And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, notice in verse 39, both of these sisters actually sat at Jesus' feet. I've heard it said a lot of times that, you know, oh man, this girl, how, how dare her? She, she didn't even choose to sit at Jesus'. Yeah, she did. She sat at Jesus' feet. She learned of, of God's word. And Jesus, man, he loved Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. We'll, we can get to that later. Uh, but Martha, she had a flaw like all of us do, right? And, and she was overly occupied. In other words, she was too busy in serving the Lord. And, and we need to be careful not to be too busy in ministry, not to be able to minister, right? Does that make sense? Um, we, it just, it's interesting how we can, we, can, we can be just like the priest. We could be just like the Levite. Right? We're so busy about our business and, oh, I got a place to go. I can't do this. Right? And, and we pass the need by. And that's the things that matter on, in life. Right? That's what life's about. Life is about, it's beautiful. It really is. And it's the beautiful opportunities that come our way. But we got to make sure that we are hearing from the Word of God. Make sure you're in the Word of God. Make sure you're spending time in the Word. If you're not in the Word, that's where your struggle's coming from. Why is all this happening to me? Well, get in the word. Because Christian, you don't, you're, you're not, we don't live by the food we eat. We live by the word of God. We're different. We're no longer citizens of this world. We're citizens of heaven, right? And, and we operate differently. And so if you're a believer, if you're a new believer, man, it's through prayer. It's through the word of God. That's how we operate. That's how we live. That's how we breathe. That's what we do. So the thing that I've realized in, in, uh, 
uh, as of late is the biggest distraction that I've noticed to a lot of Christians today is their cell phones, right? It's so easy to see something beautiful right before you and instead you're doing this, right? So in, in marriage, right, there's spouses that are not even spending time to each other because they're doing this. They, they're just missing out on that personal time that they could be having. And then when that spouse is dead, oh man, then the regret sets in, right? All because of this dumb phone, right? It's like, ah. And I'm not saying phones are evil by any means. I'm just saying, hey, be watchful with the time God's given us, right? Be faithful and to fulfill the, the commission that God's given each and every one of us. And, and our reward is him, right? So be aware of the things that are in front of us and don't let that be a hindrance to the work that God wants to do with you and I. Now, may we not get distracted, right? May we look to the Lord, may we look to the word and others, right? And, and the thing is too, by the way, did you guys notice that about Martha? She got so busy about ministry, if you will, because she's ministering to the Lord, right? She's serving who? She's not serving Mary or anybody else. She's serving the Lord. And you could get so busy and occupied in serving the Lord where you're too busy. And it's okay to be serving the Lord, but once you get too busy, that's the moment you begin to look at others and you begin to say, well, well, she's not doing what I, you know, well, you're looking at the do's and don'ts, right? They're not doing this or they're doing this. And how are you doing? Your eyes are off now, right? Get your eyes back on Jesus. And may we not get troubled with the stuff, right? Just stuff. It's just, it's the world. So may we be occupied in really just serving the Lord and, and, uh, and ministering to him by, my, by ministering to our neighbor. Amen, church? Amen. Stand up with me and let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your word. There's so much here, Lord. I can't believe we went through a chapter, but uh, I do ask, Lord, that you would help us to uh, take in uh, the things that were said, that the, your word, Lord, it's, it's, uh, it's powerful. And I pray that that uh, would impact our hearts, Lord, impact even our dreams tonight, Lord, and uh, continue to minister to our hearts, Lord, that tomorrow as we go about our day, uh, whether it be at work or wherever it is, Lord, uh, may we be occupying our time with you. I pray, Lord, if there's those here that need to fast and, and seek you, that they would. Lord, if they got to open up the Bible and begin to read more, that they would. If they ought to be seeking you on their knees, on their face, Lord, and, and, and praying to you, that they would. Uh, whether it be singing and worshiping you, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified. Uh, as we go our way, protect us, Lord, and uh, watch over us. And just thank you so much, Father, that you are, you're faithful and, and that you are majestic in every way, Lord, and you know all things and uh, I pray that our hearts would just be trusting in you alone, Lord, and not the things of the world. Uh, so keep us, Lord, in your hands, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. ...in serving the Lord where you're too busy. And it's okay to be serving the Lord, but once you get too busy, that's the moment you begin to look at others and you begin to say, well... Well, she's not doing what I, you know, well, you're looking at the do's and don'ts, right? They're not doing this or they're doing this. And how are you, do your eyes are off now, right? Get your eyes back on Jesus. And may we not get troubled with the stuff, right? Just stuff. It's just, it's the world. So may we be occupied in really just serving the Lord and, and, uh, and ministering to him by, my, by ministering to our neighbor. Amen, church? 
Amen. Stand up with me and let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your word. There's so much here, Lord. I can't believe we went through a chapter, but uh, I do ask, Lord, that you would help us to uh, take in uh, the things that were said, that the, your word, Lord, it's, it's, uh, it's powerful. And I pray that that uh, would impact our hearts, Lord, impact even our dreams tonight, Lord, and uh, continue to minister to our hearts, Lord, that tomorrow as we go about our day, uh, whether it be at work or wherever it is, Lord, uh, may we be occupying our time with you. I pray, that, Lord, if there's those here that need to fast and, and seek you, that they would. Lord, if they got to open up the Bible and begin to read more, that they would. If they ought to be seeking you on their knees, on their face, Lord, and, and, and praying to you, that they would. Uh, whether it be singing and worshiping you, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified. Uh, as we go our way, protect us, Lord, and uh, watch over us. And just thank you so much, Father, that you are, you're faithful and, and that you are majestic in every way, Lord, and you know all things and uh, I pray that our hearts would just be trusting in you alone, Lord, and not the things of the world. Uh, so keep us, Lord, in your hands, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.